0: Welcome once again to the Powell View Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. My name is Trey Hinkle. I'm the senior pastor here at Powell View Christian Church in beautiful central Oregon. And it's great to have you along with us as we continue our study in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. We're in chapter six today, in the middle of Jesus's Sermon on the Plain, which looks a lot like the Sermon on the Mount. Same message, same core message, different audience, different occasion. But Jesus had the same things to say to people no matter where he went, and I'm sure that as we look at today's passage, you will be familiar with what Jesus is saying here. We are in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 37, but before we begin, I want to share with you a a story that I, I heard a long time ago about Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson out on a camping trip, just the two of them. They had set up camp, they pitched their tent, they had built the fire, and as evening came, they uh, turned in, and um, about three o'clock in the morning, Sherlock Holmes woke Dr. Watson up and said, Watson, I I want you to gaze up at the heavens and look at the stars, and, and tell me what you can judge from what you see. Well, Dr. Watson looked up, and the sky was just penetrated pierced with these beautiful, bright stars. And he said, well, Holmes, uh, astronomically, uh, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. And astrologically, uh, I observe that the planet Saturn is in the constellation of Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful. And that comparison to him and what he creates, we are small and insignificant. And meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What, what do you surmise, uh, Sherlock? And Sherlock said, well, Dr. Watson, I surmise that someone stole our tent. And Watson missed it. See, we all make judgments, don't we? We all make judgments, no matter what we do, no matter where we go. Uh, We make judgments about what is safe and what is risky, what is healthy and what uh, we should avoid, what is true and what is false. But often, just like Dr. Watson, the judgments we make are are a little bit off. Um, We're not seeing the, the real things that we should be seeing, especially when it comes to dealing with other people. You see, as humans, we're at a bit of a disadvantage because Human beings tend to be mask wearers, whether you're a believer or not. You you tend to wear a mask in in the company of other people. You you don't let down your guard very easily. So as we interact with other people, what we see may not be really what is real, uh, who they really are. And, And that can go two ways, by the way. In one sense, you know that as you're relating to people, somewhere deep inside of them, They have brought along a lot of baggage that you can't see, but that baggage makes it difficult to communicate with them at at times. And and so, you know, whenever you are dealing with people, you got to be aware of the fact that there's so much more going on underneath the surface than you are aware. So be careful. Be careful. Also, on another front, it's so easy to see how uh, we jump to conclusions. We take at face value what is being done, what's being said, right? And we don't know what's going on behind that interaction. You know, one day I was talking to one of our elders, a man named Tom Alexander, a, a very wise man. Anyways, I, I was just telling him about how I was going down the, uh, the Ochico Highway and how somebody had just, you know, zoomed past me very impatiently. And I, I was quick to judge the person. And, and Tom said, well, Trey, you got to be careful got to be careful about judging that person because you don't know. You have no idea what that person is going through. They may have been on their way to the hospital because a loved one is dying. That was good to hear that. Those were gracious words from a very gracious man. So as we're looking at this next section on the Sermon on the Plain, we're going to see how this plays out of, of being a judge of things, especially as we interact with other people. And we're going to see what Jesus says about it. So we're going to start with verse 37. Uh, Follow along with me. We'll, We'll just read the whole thing, and then we'll go back and look at different parts of it. Jesus says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log or the plank that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log, the plank that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. So there it is. Judge not. Judge not. Boy, our culture loves that verse, doesn't it? People in our culture, even even people who are opposed to what the Bible says, people who reject the Bible, they still love that verse. They, They don't believe the Bible, but they believe this verse. Don't judge me, in other words, you can't tell me that I'm wrong, that my choice is wrong, that my attitude is wrong. You know I've got my rights, I can do what I want to do. People hate having their actions measured up against any kind of higher standard. They really hate it when their actions are are measured up against the Bible because they don't believe that the Bible is a higher standard. They don't believe the Bible is from God. They think they perceive that it it only comes from man, so it contains only man's thoughts, and so it's really just a bunch of men from ancient times who were imposing their wills on their life, and they don't like to be judged but does this verse that they use to protect themselves does it really mean what they think it means to judge not well Unfortunately, for their way of thinking, we know that Jesus, as God's son, he would never. Ever teach anything that would go against God's heart or God's word. So it's actually good to understand what God has really said to us in his word about judging, and then to put this teaching of judge not into proper perspective. In the Greek, the word judge is the word krino, and that word in the Greek has a variety of meanings— The key to understanding what Jesus is saying here in this passage is to recognize that the the word judge has been used a couple of different ways in the New Testament. First of all, it refers to criticizing and condemning. Okay? So you can judge and be critical and condemning. The other way that it's used in the New Testament is is to mean to discern or to decide, to be wise in one's discernment and decision-making. So it's important to note that Jesus could be using that word in one of two different ways. He could be talking about criticizing and condemning, or he could be using it to mean to wisely discern something and to make a decision. Well, what is it? Which one is it? Well, it's important to see the context. And Jesus himself gives us the context. Because he doesn't just say, judge not, and then period. He actually gives us context after judge not, Jesus immediately talks about having a spirit of condemnation, okay? But he also speaks of having a spirit of forgiveness. And even more, in in the last half of the next verse, verse 38, Jesus gives us more context when he speaks of the measure that we use being also used on us, which I see as The idea of having equal footing, that one person is not over anybody else. They're all under the authority of the same God. So when Jesus says, do not judge, judge not, is he saying, don't criticize, don't condemn? Or is he saying, hey, don't be wise in your discernment and decision making? (laughs) Uh, I think that you probably know where I'm going with this. But the best way to interpret Scripture is through Scripture. And so with that in mind, we we must consider that in John 7, when Jesus has once again been accused of breaking the Sabbath by healing somebody, by doing good, he kind of loses it, and he chastises the Jewish leaders pretty strongly, and he says in John 7, 24, stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. So here, Jesus is saying that he wants us to judge. He would not then contradict himself. Hey, don't judge. But here, yes, you should judge. Now, see, I think that here we see it very clearly. He's saying, I want you to judge rightly. So that means that there is a right way to judge. And there is a wrong way to judge. Folks, that's the clarification. Judge not in Luke chapter 6. It's very clear that Jesus is indicating the manner in which we approach judging. Right? He wants us to use discernment. He wants us to judge rightly. He does not want us to judge wrongly. We can almost read it to say, don't make wrong judgments, having a contentious critical spirit that leans towards condemnation. Be willing to forgive, for the measure that you use to judge others will be used on you. Remember that, so be careful. Do you really want justice, or would you prefer a tendency towards grace? Now, if you look at the Jewish leaders, we see throughout the Gospels that they they had this long-standing um, reputation of looking down on people, condemning those who were not of, of the mindset that they were. In fact, Jesus, who came as their Messiah, uh, they rejected him. They judged him because he wasn't on their side. He, he had compassion on those that they had looked down on. Um, he was gracious to them, and he didn't abide by their rules. And so, they judged Jesus as being in cahoots with the devil. Talk about wrong judgment. Well, so let's do. Let's talk about wrong judgment. There are three things that I I think that we can point out about what wrong judgment is all about. First of all, wrong judgment is quick and harsh and hurtful. Jesus warns people to not have a critical spirit. It's there in Luke 6 where he says, do not condemn. Elsewhere, We read of of an incident where James and John, two of his disciples, were quick to be critical and condemning of the Samaritans who had refused to welcome them. They wanted to call down fire from heaven for the attitude that the Samaritans had towards Jesus. And Jesus, instead of rebuking the Samaritans, rebukes James and John. So wrong judgment is quick and harsh, uh, harsh and hurtful. And so Jesus says, don't have that kind of spirit. Secondly, wrong judgment ignores our own shortcomings. When we insist on judging other people, but having lenience and grace for our own sin, that's hypocrisy that Jesus continues to warn against. In one of the most famous events in the ministry of Jesus, as recorded in John 8, there was a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. She's brought before Jesus. And the religious leaders are using her to try to trap Jesus. They're they're asking him if he is for the death penalty. You know, he's so compassionate, and yet he also claims to be from God. So is he going to uphold the death penalty law found in the the law of Moses? Or is he going to throw that out and, and be compassionate and merciful to this lady? Well, Jesus said, tell you what, let he who is without sin throw that first stone. See, Jesus understood what was going on, and he was making a very clear point. He says, you got to be very careful to be quick to judge other people when you have ignored your own sin. See, that's what Jesus means in in Luke uh, 6, uh, 41 through 42, where he says, Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but don't notice the, the log or the plank that is in your own eye? See, Jesus is a funny guy. He, he's using humor and he's giving this great example here of he's, he's setting a comical scene where one guy has this this plank that's jutting out of his own eye. And he's trying to help this other guy who's got this little speck of sawdust in his eye. He says, hey, let me help you out. And the people are probably laughing because this is pretty absurd. It's absurd because it's obviously so wrong. And it's wrong Because the guy had no self-awareness, it seems, right? He's making a judgment without understanding his own problem, his own own sin, his own plank. Wrong judgment ignores our own shortcomings. And finally, wrong judgment uses the wrong standard. You know, in our uh, sinful nature, even believers can be very critical of other people. And that's because we have the tendency to measure them by our own standards, by by our own actions, by our own attitude, by our own righteousness, if you will. You know, I'm always fascinated that uh, I have this attitude sometimes when I'm out on the road, that it seems like there's only two kinds of drivers out there on the road on Highway 97. They're the idiots and they're the maniacs. The idiots are the ones going slower than me. They're in my lane, and they're going slow, and uh, they're not letting me uh, go as fast as I want to go. They are idiots. But then as soon as I say that, here comes a car going like 20 miles an hour f- faster than I am, just zooming past me, and I call him a maniac. Why? Because he's going faster than me. You see, both the idiot and the maniac are being judged by me by my own standard. See, apparently I'm the only one going the exact right speed and driving exactly the right way. So everything that I I see out there is measured by my own action, by my own attitude. I'm the ideal, and that's warped thinking. Because when I become the standard, then I have forgotten that there is a higher standard. I become the standard, my choice, my lifestyle, my righteousness, or my lack thereof. Boy, that puts me at the center of the moral universe church, that's a very precarious and a very dangerous place to operate from. So if that's wrong judgment, what's right judgment? Well, it would be the opposite of all of those things, right? So if wrong judgment is quick and harsh and hurtful, then right judgment would always be tempered by grace and patience and a willingness to overlook a wrong done. Again, we go back to verse 37, where Jesus says, Do not, no, condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Secondly, if wrong judgment ignores our own shortcomings, then right judgment will revolve around humility, being honest, and being willing to actually see clearly who we are and where we are in our relationship with God. Again, before we can remove the plank, we have to recognize that we have a plank, Or at least we have the capacity to grow a plank, right? It's like uh, uh, from the old movie Monty Python and the Holy Grail. There's a scene where the Black Knight, who believes that he is invincible, he he begins to pick a sword fight with King Arthur. King Arthur uh, cuts his arm off. And King Arthur thinks that the fight is over. The Black Knight continues to fight, and he goes, what, what are you doing? Your arm's off. He goes, no, it isn't. And he goes, well, what's that? And he points to his arm that's laying there. And he goes, well, that's uh, merely a flesh wound. I, I've had worse. Before you can fix something, you've got to admit that it's, it needs to be fixed. And that's a matter of being humble. Putting yourself, seeing yourself in a right way in relationship to God and his holiness. And finally, if wrong judgment uses our own self-righteousness as the standard, then right judgment relies on the character of God as our standard. See, what must be the basis of determining right and wrong in this world? God's Word. Do you Have you ever wondered why God commanded Adam not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Well, what was that all about? Why didn't he want Adam to, to know? between good and evil, to be able to judge between good and evil. You know, Satan actually tempted them by showing them that this knowledge would make them more like God, and it would have made them more like God, because God is the one, the only one, folks, who has the absolute right to judge what is good and what is evil. Well, we don't use our own standards. We have to use his standard. He is the only one who can who has the ability to make the absolute right choice to say what is good and what is evil. That's not for his creation to decide. So right judgment calls upon God's word, God's standard, God's ways as the standard by which things are called good or evil. So with this right judgment in in mind, I now want us to be able to see the what, the who, and the how of how the Bible instructs us in judging. First of what? What does the Bible call us as God's people under God's standards to judge? What are we to judge? Well, first of all, we see here in this section of of the Sermon on the Plain that we are to judge our own hearts. Again, 42. It says, first take the plank out of your own eye. You got to take a look at your life. You got to judge what's going on in your own life. It's, It's so easy to call out other people all the while trying to hide the crud that's in our own lives. Before we have any right to do anything about judging others, we must judge our own hearts. And then we are really, if you look at the whole of the New Testament, we are to judge what the community of God's people allows in our midst. We must be gatekeepers of what we allow into our church by way of doctrine and by way of practice. If if we go to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks a, a lot about what we are supposed to be doing as judges. This is what he says in, in verses 1 through 5. He says, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. So he's talking to the church there in Corinth. And of a kind, this is sexual immorality, that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. Hmm. And you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from you. For though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to to deliver this man to Satan. For the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now that sounds awfully harsh, doesn't it? But in the church, there was this cancer, this behavior that wasn't even accepted by the pagan world. And again, it sounds harsh, but Paul is very clear. When you're dealing with cancer, it is best to remove it. Surgery has to happen Otherwise, that cancer is going to grow and spread. As it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, bad company ruins good morals. If there is blatant sin going on in the church, if the church has not been good gatekeepers and allowing certain uh, mentality or, or certain mindsets or certain doctrines or certain practices in the church, we have to, we have to be very, very clear. And we have to judge what's going on in that community, what we have allowed into the community. And and, and wh- again, what do we judge? Whatever God has judged. Whatever God has said is true. We we can't come up with our own stuff and say, well, you know, you're wearing the wrong clothes, so therefore we're, we're judging you. Oh, you're smoking in the parking lot. We, we We can't let you in. No, 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 no. That's not what it is. We judge whatever God has judged. What God's Word has said is true. That is what we can say is true. That is what we can stand up for and help the community of Christ understand. See, it's not me. It's not my truth. It's the truth. And on that, I can be discerning and I can protect what's going on in the house of God. So that's the what. Secondly, let's talk about the who. Well, look back at at verse 41 again, let let me read this. Back in verse 41, it says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log or the plank that is in your own? eye?" Who is it? What's the term that Jesus uses? Who is it that has the speck? It's your brother. Mm. See, Jesus is talking about somebody who is, A, a fellow believer, and B, someone that you have a relationship with. Both of those are absolutely true. And it's important for us to see that. See, I know so many believers, very eager to call out unbelievers for their sin. But Paul is clear. Back in, in that passage in 1 Corinthians, where he's talking about um, uh, removing the, the sinner, the brother, from amongst their, their midst, he says that he is called to judge those inside the church. But he says something very interesting about those who are not in the church. About those people, Paul says, what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church that you are to judge? God judges those outside. You see, we can get so caught up in standing in judgment for all of the sins that we see committed by our country, those people who live in our state and our community. We see the corruption of heads of corporations, or we see the perversions of celebrities. We see the absolute dishonesty of politicians. And some of us want so badly to call fire down from heaven, just like James and John, to consume them. But Paul says, no, 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 wait a second. Those people are not part of the kingdom. They don't have the same foundation as you, and they don't claim to follow the scriptures that you claim to follow. They have no connection with Christ. So why are we so worried about them? Why do we hold them to God's standards? Let God deal with them. Rather, it's the brothers, those in the church, those that we have a relationship with, those who we are on the same journey with towards sanctification. Those are the ones that Paul says, you know what? It's good for us to come alongside of each other and bring judgment when the actions of our brothers and sisters do not reflect the faith. Now, why? Why would we do that? For what purpose would we do that? Just to be a jerk? Just to... um, Feel superior to them and holier than thou? No. No, not if they're our brother. Not if we have a relationship with him. Not if we actually love them. Man, we are building something that's bigger than our own individual kingdoms, guys. We are all part of a new temple of God. Therefore, we want that structure to be strong. We want to strengthen all of the parts of the building. And if we see certain parts of the building that are being weak and compromised, We must act out in love, wanting to help, wanting to hone each other because we have this shared commitment to building God's kingdom. And that then brings us finally to the how. How are we to speak discernment and judgment into the lives of our brothers who are on the same journey that we are on, who are being built up together with us in the body? See, it does matter how we approach things in order to bring glory to God and maintain the dignity of one another. In First Timothy, Paul talks about the manner in which we confront those in the church. He says, the goal of this commandment is love. This is first Timothy one five The goal is love, which comes from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. I want to look at those three things: a pure heart, that means having my brother's best interest, especially when it comes to his relationship with God, and his place in the body of Christ. I want what's best. I have a pure heart. I I want what's best for my brother. I want what's best for the kingdom. I want what's best for the body. Number two, having a good conscience, which means I'm confident that I have already been honest with my own sins and failures, that I'm not coming in this attitude of superiority at all. That I have put myself on an equal level with my brother's. I have a good conscience. I have I've taken care of what I had to deal with as well. And a sincere faith, believing in the goodness and the grace of God to continue the work of sanctification in every person's life who is a part of God's kingdom. I ran across a great way to remember the how in making right judgments of the body of Christ. It's an acrostic where you know the letters of a word will spell out certain principles to keep in mind. We tend to blast our brothers, okay? But instead of blasting them, we must be people who are blessing them. So if you think of that word, bless, B-L-E-S-S, think about that as you consider how to how to play this out, uh, judging uh, to the glory of God, making right judgments. First of all, be. Be in prayer. Be in prayer. Simply ask before you go and do anything, before you confront or anything like that, say, God, how do you want me to respond to the situation. How can my words and my actions bring you the the, the glory? Number two, L, listen to them. You know, oftentimes we just barrel in and we don't really pay attention to what's going on. We don't understand what's happening behind the scenes. So we need to take time to listen to the people around us, to to truly hear their heart. Where are they coming from? What, What are they trying to work on? Where is their heart? E, why don't you choose to eat with them? Share a meal together. You know, in in the Bible, and it's true today as well, breaking bread with other people would bring an equality that is truly godly. You know, because when you eat with someone, you've put yourself on the same level. You've shared life together, and you're willing to associate with one another on an intimate level, like a family, because you've eaten together. S, serve them. Is there something that you can actually do for them rather than just standing in condemnation or, or judgment on them? Is there something that they need from you so that they you can help them, that you can come alongside of them and, and hold up their arms? How can you place their needs above your own and serve them, helping them find a closer walk? And finally, the final S is to stay at the cross yourself. Really, the best way to get rid of a hypocritical spirit is to remember the cross. Remember the cross, because it's impossible for anyone to feed their self-righteous nature while understanding that Jesus went to the cross for them. That it was their sin that put Jesus on the cross, just like it was the sin of their brother. There's a song that we often sing, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. That's a beautiful song because the whole attitude is, listen, I am nothing without the cross. I am not righteous without the cross. And so I could see my brothers maybe messing up here and there, dropping the ball here and there, making poor choices. But I must understand that I am not righteous in and of myself. I am only righteous because of the cross. So I can then approach my brother with that kind of humility of saying, hey, we're all on the same journey together. I want to help you because I want this thing to be strong and I want us to, to be able to have the victory together. Remember, the measure by which we judge will be used in our own judgment. I'm so thankful for God's grace shown through the love and the servanthood of Jesus. To know that I'm only forgiven, not because of anything that I've done, but because of Jesus. And I should be living out that truth in your life and other people's lives. And that way there is no boasting, no condemning, no pride, no wrong judgment, but only right judgment that is useful to build up the body of Christ. Well, that was the message for this week. I uh, want to again thank you for tuning in and and, uh, listening to our podcasts I want to thank Lisa Welly, our executive producer, for getting these uh, things up um, on the um, all of the platforms that uh, the podcasts are on. Uh, she puts in a lot of time to do that. I'm, I'm grateful for people like Steve Pittman who uh, just uh, make sure that our all of our um, uh, equipment and technology is, is up and running to, so that we can uh, live stream our services on Sunday mornings and we can have this kind of venue online as well. So Thank you for joining us, and thank you uh, uh, for listening in. Uh, May God bless you and keep you this week. May he shine his face on you and shine through you so that you might be a, a star, a guiding light for somebody in the dark world this week. We'll see you next time.